listening to First Church Charlotte. All right, now we can do better than that. Praise the Lord, everybody. All right, sounds good. So good to see all of you here in the house of the Lord on this Wednesday night. We are on the very edge of holiday crazy season. And I don't know if you've noticed, but it's already taken you five minutes longer to get anywhere you go on almost any night of the week uh, in the city. Uh, But even so, I love the holidays. I know not everyone feels that way, but I love the holidays. And I love the fact that I'm going to eat everything inside over the holidays. And then I'm going to repent uh, in the new year. And I'm going to resolve to make a true life change. And uh, that'll last until February. Great to see you all. Uh, I missed you this past Sunday. I was at, uh, preaching at a, uh, another church. And it was, it's always good to, to see other, other uh, congregations. I, I, that's a good thing. But I'll be honest with you. I just as soon be home as be anywhere. I'm just a homebody. And I, I love all you guys. I appreciate you. I want to real quickly let you know about the last Wednesday for this month and for next month. So as you know, the last Wednesday night, we gather at homes all over the metro. Uh, You have seen this. You can get more information on our website all the way from, man, Concord, uh, I think as far away even as as, as uh, Fort Mill and Salisbury, uh, people open their homes. And we do this intentionally to uh, fulfill two things. Number one, uh, we want to get to know each other. Uh, church is great for the vertical. Coming together is great for the vertical. Uh, the music, the praise, one another, lifting our voices to God, it's, re- it's, it's ideal for the, for the vertical. Um, but sometimes you can come to church for a while and not get to know the people around you. It's not quite as good for the horizontal. And as you know, <clears throat> and I've heard me teach exhaustively, the New Testament church did both. They, they connected vertically on their weekend temple worship, uh, planned temple worship times, and they also met during the week uh, house to house in what we would think of maybe as a smaller group. Um, here, at, here at First Church, we want to do both well. We don't want to just have a vertical uh, <clears throat> relationship and have no horizontal. So last Wednesday's serves that purpose and in excuse me the end of this month the last Wednesday this month because of the holiday uh, the groups that do it um, you want to check with the group you normally go to on what the schedule is but it probably will happen on Tuesday night not on Wednesday night to facilitate all of the travel that so many of us are doing over the holidays Uh, that same thing will be true in the month of December check with your uh, local local first church franchise (laughs) and find out what that group is doing and it will often uh, in, in some cases it may be on a Tuesday night rather than a Wednesday night but here we are going into Thanksgiving and I am going to use that as a theme here tonight. My title for the next, I don't know, couple hours is going to simply be this, seven ways that Thanksgiving can change your life. Seven ways that Thanksgiving can change your life. So if you will help me for a little while and whatever I say, pretend like it's a little bit better than what it actually is, uh, that'll lift my spirits and it'll uh, cut down on any extended um, obtuse remarks made by your local friend pastor. All right, somebody, let's, let's practice. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Oh man, it's going to be a short night tonight. 
So this is our theme scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. You all could probably, if you've been around church much at all, uh, you could either quote this or if someone were to begin it, uh, you would be able to get the gist of it. It goes like this, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So what are we doing? We're going to rejoice always, we're going to pray continually, and we're going to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, here's the problem. Up until the all circumstances, we were in good shape. We knew exactly what to do. Um, we, we were all, everything was fine until uh, we were told to give thanks in all circumstances. And then the writer raises the ante on us once again, and he, he uses that big, big language. This is the will of God for you. How many of you, how many of, you have ever prayed for the will of God in your life? Uh, yes, I think that's probably the most common uh, prayer that people pray uh, besides the obvious ones like, bless this food I'm about to partake of, or forgive me, I've been acting like a crazy person. Um, after that is probably, Lord, what is your will? Uh, we have a deep sense that God sees things we do not, amen? We have a deep sense that God is able to perceive risks that we are unable to perceive, and none of us want to suffer. None of us, if there's a way around trouble, please tell me about it. If there's a way I can minimize suffering, please please tell me about it. Am I preaching to the right church here tonight? You agree with that? If there's a way you can make my life easier, please don't hide that from me. I don't want to bleed unnecessarily. Life has enough struggle and sorrow in it without sending me around the tough way. My wife and I, uh, when we finally got to go to Hawaii, um, we were going up the Diamond Head, and this was just last year. Uh, we've got this super good deal, and we, on a whim, went over there, and uh, Diamond Head's this volcano right beside Honolulu, and if you hike to the top of it, it's quite a hike, and um, I got to this, this, this fork where there's a long line of steps, um, or you can walk to your left, and uh, not knowing, and then go along a long trail, just halfway around the mountain, and you get up there, not knowing what to do, I stood there like between a rock and a hard place, literally, and it's like, do I go this way, do I go this way, and, and I, you know, as Murphy would predict, I go the long way, and I'm like walking and walking and walking, I finally get up there, and I look down, and I see a, a flight of stairs, and right down there has where I had been standing, and I got so mad at the people, I didn't say anything at that moment, I, I, I was like, why wouldn't you tell me that I could just go up that flight of stairs and be there, why did I have to go this long, convoluted way, it was so long my wife gave up, backslid, quit, sat down, and said, tell me what it looks like when you get to the top. Uh, but anyway, uh, so when I got, I came back down, there were people, there were this group of people, uh, tourists, um, somewhere from one of the Asian countries, a big group of tourists standing there, and they were like, uh, which way do we go? Which way, which way do we go? What do you want to do? Well, I think we ought to go this way. I said, stop! Hark here, for thus saith the word of the Lord. You can go that way if you want to, but if you'd like to just go up those stairs, you're going to come out right there no matter what you do. Have you ever felt like you wish that you could do that with your life? Just show me the stairs. I don't need to walk like 17 miles and then, and then fight the Hittites and the Amorites and the uh, kill you quicklyites. I don't want to fight all them suckers. I just want to go right up those stairs. I want the shortcut. 
Um, and so uh, we pray for the will of the Lord. And then the, and then the apostle Paul, he hits us with this. Look, this is the will of God for you. First of all, you need to have a, a function in your spiritual walk of rejoicing. This is like, let's, let's just go to brass text uh, here. You need to have a function where you cultivate a culture, cultivate a culture, if you'd like to write that down, that's some deep understanding right there. You need, you, you need to cultivate uh, rejoicing in your life. Anything that is good, rejoice over it. Rejoice with other people. Ask them to rejoice with you. This is the gift of a church body, people that you know and they know you. I rejoice with you. You rejoice with me. You need to have this deep-seated spiritual function in your life of rejoicing. Uh, secondly, you need to have a prayer culture in your life. You need to take everything to the Lord in prayer. If you are working through something, pray about it. If you were trying to make a life change, pray about it. I have truly changed uh, the manner in which I pray, and I know longer divide my life into things that, well, this sounds good when you're praying for it, and uh, these things I should just deal with myself. I pray about everything now. If I'm, if I'm, I know that sounds silly, but this is honest truth. If I'm trying to stick to a diet, I say, oh God, help me stick to this diet. I pray about everything now, and um, whether or not the Lord gets involved in all of that stuff, I don't know, but it's good for my old carnal flesh to pray about everything. So we're going to rejoice. We're going to pray. And finally, we are going to give thanks, and this is the hard part, in all circumstances. Man, that's so hard. Paul, what are you talking about? You must have lived a charmed life. Paul, you must have lived a life without understanding what real pain feels like. Paul, you must have never known what real rejection feels like because it's so hard to be thankful when you've been rejected. You must have never known what a real bout with depression was because um, if you would have understood what a real bout of depression was, Paul, uh, you would not be asking me to give thanks in all circumstances. And, and, and you certainly wouldn't be uh, raising the stakes and saying, for this is, declarative sentence, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, here's, here's the, the truth of the matter. It's really easy to be thankful when things are well. Um, and we get in the habit of calibrating our thanksgiving to our perceived sense of blessing in our life. And so our thanksgiving becomes conditional. And because it is conditional, it becomes weak. By the way, uh, these notes are available to you on the website. You can just click Wednesday night Bible study notes and you'll have everything I'm teaching with. Um, if we're only grateful in good times, then we end up with a weak situational thanksgiving, not a foundational thanksgiving. It is something we do, not something we are. Do you see? If you just do it when it feels appropriate, then it's something you do. If you do it all the time, it is something you now have, you have become. You can see in the children of Israel's story, this is uh, most of the book of, of the Old Testament, the books of the Old Testament are directly about their covenant relationship with God. You will see many times where they have a conditional gratitude. When things are well, they shout, Miriam picks up a tambourine, they lead the house in worship, but when trouble comes, what do they do? They murmur. Now, this is very human. This is the same temptation that we all of us have. Um, it is hard to be thankful for the thing that is driving you nuts. So, let's do a quick self-check here. How many of you currently have something in your life that that's, that's driving you crazy? Just confess here in front of all of us and raise your hand. Anita, you raised your hand too fast. You, you, nearly, you nearly knocked Deanne out. 
out raising your hand. She's like, my God, me. And Dion's like, oh, well, Lord Jesus Christ. And something that's driving you nuts. Okay. Okay. So I, I full confession to you. Um, I, uh, I try to practice what I preach. It's good practice for preachers. If you'd like to write that down, uh, did brother Lance leave or is he back down there? He's sleeping in church. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that's what evangelists do. If they're not the one preaching, it's not anointed. That's, that's what evangelists do. Um, so anyway, uh, you like to write that. It's good to practice what you preach as a general rule. Okay, thank you, thank you. So, so I was uh, praying today, and I, I, I literally was thinking of what is the worst thing I in my life? What is the worst thing in my life? I didn't have to think very hard. Immediately, people, st- things, circumstances started leaping to the, f- the feet saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. And I had this abundance of riches in front of me of things that's driving me nuts. And um, that might be more true to my personality than any, anybody else. Uh, but um, see, I've offended the visiting preachers, and that's all it took to run them off. Anyway. Uh, so I, I tried, this is me being as, as, as transparent as I can be. I tried to say, thank you, God, for that. The thing that I tried, and I, I'll be honest with you, I, I stuttered and I stopped in the middle of it. I couldn't say it. I couldn't. So I, I regathered myself and I forced myself to say it and I realized my heart wasn't in it at all. I was just not thankful at all for it. In fact, uh, I thought it should be thankful that I hadn't exploded yet. <laughs> this is a reality that all of us should should accept. Um, the 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 work of gratitude is not for the blessings in your life. Um, that should be something that flows out of your own sense of who God is and who you are in God. The real challenge is the things that you don't understand and you resent a little bit having to live with. Why at this stage in my life am I having to deal with this? I just resent it a little bit, Lord. I just think you, didn't, I think you should know. That is the real discipline of gratitude. But this is what I know. True change of our heart comes in those hard places of spiritual growth. Not in the, uh, the, the shady lanes and, and, and cool breezes and, and, and blissful spring days. It's in the struggle that true life change happens. Uh, this is why when the Lord brings people to times of spiritually becoming, he puts them in some form of a wilderness, in some form of a trial, in some form of a difficulty, and he places them there and they grow there. Now, I'm not excited about teaching this, but I do believe if you want to find the shortest possible way out of a circumstance, understand what God is doing with it, learn the lessons of that wilderness, and then demonstrate the change that has happened in your life. So I think this is shown in what Paul is saying, in all circumstances, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. James writes it and says like this, chapter 1, verse number 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking, not lacking anything. Most of us want riches, but not spiritual riches. (laughs) We want riches, but not spiritual riches because the spiritual richness that comes in true spiritual maturity is after you have turned your test into a testimony. After your victory turns into something you can share with someone else. That is spiritual riches. Here is the problem. So much of this life's riches are the same thing as producing spiritual poverty. 
We think things makes us happy. We think status gives us joy. And this turns into a, uh, almost a, a continuing deception, spiritual deception in our life. And we seek happiness in all the places where there is only temporary and fleeting spiritual um, sustenance. And yet, in the difficulty of the test comes the opportunity for you to exercise discernment. For you to demonstrate perseverance. Oh, no one's excited about this, but I'm going to have to preach it anyway. For you to manifest faith. And out of that victory comes the testimony that lifts the church of God higher. This must be something that we at least acknowledge if we cannot celebrate. We at least are honest about if we cannot promote. God has a desire for you to love him, serve him, not for what he has given you, but for who he is. In fact, when we are made complete in him, the Bible says, we become like him. We become the eternal being like him in glory. We see him face to face. At that moment, we have it need. At that moment, we're no longer sick. The point of what we are going through in this life is to produce a spiritual bride that spends eternity in fellowship and spiritual oneness with him At that moment, we have a need of him. Now's when we need him, but that is when we are truly at one with him. I want you to try to see how the difficulties in your life ultimately are simply a path of spiritual becoming that we might in some way know him, be able to stand with him, to be changed by him. Count it pure joy, James said, the trial that comes. It produces perseverance. The greatest richness you can have is making it all the way, and perseverance is how you are going to make it all the way. Let me say that again. The greatest blessing, the greatest riches you can ever have is making it all the way, and perseverance is how you're going to make it all the way. So thank God for perseverance in your life. I I am holding on, I'm believing, I'm pressing forward, I am walking another day. And so God desires that we desire him, the giver, not simply the gifts that are given. Now God has given us tremendous gifts. Can I have an amen? We are blessed of God abundantly. Uh, God manifests himself through great good things. So this is Psalms 107 verse 15. Here's the good news. God manifests himself through his goodness to us. And this is why we offer him thanks. As the psalmist says, quote, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. So again, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, that's a gift, and for his wondrous works, more gifts to the children of men. God is not aloof from us. God is not distant from us. God is not fickle in his love towards us. He is ever present even in your troubles. Can I have a big amen on that? And he offers to you the gift of his presence even in our suffering, even in persecution, even in sickness, even in financial burden, even in relationship turmoil, in whatever hardships of your life, God is with you. He is relationally present with 
with you. And so James will write, chapter 1, verse 7, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That's ESV version I'm, I'm reading uh, uh, for, uh, to, to you tonight. Uh, this is true that the gifts of God are overwhelming. They are beyond our understanding. God has been good to you. If you woke up without pain in your body, you are blessed. There's lots of people who woke up in pain. If you are able to pay your light bill this month, not only are you blessed, but you are blessed enough to have a light bill. There's a lot of people in the world who can't even get electricity and you have a light bill. Thank God. What am I talking about? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from God. But uh, we cannot simply serve him for the gifts. We have to love him as the giver. The Lord has shown you the extravagance of his love. In her book, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, the author Annie Dillard records God's extravagant love in this way. And, and this is beautiful language. I don't know if it will convey uh, in, a, in a spoken way as well as it does when you read it on the page. But let's, let's give it a shot. If the landscape reveals one certainty, it is that the extravagant gesture is the very stuff of creation. After the one extravagant gesture of creation in the first place, the universe has continued to deal exclusively in extravagances, flinging intricacies and colossi down eons of emptiness, heaping profusions on profligacies with ever fresh vigor, which is a very beautiful way of saying this. Every star in the heavens declares how much God loves you. The distance of an unimaginable universe to tell, explains to you just how extravagant is God's love for you. The leaves that are changing. This is just a world that God could speak into being saying let there be and this astonishing world that we have been given has been manifest to us. God is extravagant in his demonstration of of just how much he loves you. He is extravagant. But let's not simply love him for the gifts. Let's love the heart of the one who wants to give us gifts. This is what true Christianity, in my opinion, really, really is. It's transcending the deal. The quid pro quo, there's a term that's all over the news nowadays. Transcending the quid pro quo. If you do something for me, I'll do something for you. Transcending the one hand washes the other, as they say in the East. Or if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Transcend all of that and say this, God, I want to perceive your heart. And I want to have a spiritual unity with you that I might live with a sense of your presence. It's not going to be an accident if you are able to live your life with a sense of the presence of God. Uh, parents, if you're going to raise your children with a sense of the presence of God, that's not going to happen by accident. Uh, if you want your homes to feel like they are places of the presence of God, it's not going to happen just by accident. You're going to have to curate your life. You know what curation is? That is where you say this and not that. 
this and not that. Less of this, more of that. It is the act of curation. I believe the path of the spiritual pilgrim is a daily spiritual curation where you say, look, all this is lawful for me, but it's not all expedient for me. It is not all leading me closer to the person I want to be who can stand in the presence of God and perceive the love of God. But let me tell you the benefits of living that way. First of all, you are able to be at one with your creator. That means you know what true meaning feels like. You live with a sense of meaning. You literally have a sense of divine relationship. You discover a relational God. You no longer look heavenward with fear thinking, oh, I, I'm wondering if I'm good enough today. Are you, are you going to smash me today? Are you going to, am I, well, what's next? There's this sense of, the sense of terror and fear is cast out by what? By perfect love. There's nothing that can come on me that you have not already seen that it can be turned into glory for your kingdom. There is presence in your life. Oh, church, I want to live this way. Don't you want to live this way? I want to say this. This is the path. This is the way. More of you, less of me. I must decrease. You must increase. This is what the world needs. This is what this city needs. It's people who are willing to live with this kind of a passion manifesting in their life. It's not going to happen by, by accident. It's going to be the intentional desire of your heart. It becomes an expression of love in your life, of pleasing God, of serving God, of knowing God. So I uh, promise to give you seven ways in which gratitude, or as we say going into the Thanksgiving se- season, seven ways that Thanksgiving can change your life. And so uh, to do this, I am going to not simply give you a list of scriptures. Uh, If you look in your Bible, you will find scripture after scripture after scripture on gratitude and its benefits to you. Uh, You're used to hearing preachers do that. You're used to hearing uh, teachers and preachers give you a scripture uh, and say, this is what you ought to do. Um, And you sometimes, you know, are able to successfully implement that in your life. And sometimes you forgot it by the time you get done eating at the restaurant after you left to the church. Totally okay. I do the same thing. Uh, I want you, however, uh, to, I want to take a different tact uh, here in this way. And I want to, uh, rather than just giving you Bible scripture, which I do a lot of, I want to give you uh, uh, researched articles uh, that are in scientific journals that will do the same thing. And so if we have anyone here tonight who maybe your faith is not as strong and you are uh, maybe wondering, you know, uh, how you should order your steps and whatever, I want you to know you have a perfectly valid scientific set of ways in which Thanksgiving will change your life here. This, this, group, this list was actually put together by Psychology Magazine. I'm going to start by giving you some of the research um, and seeing if you, um, if I wanted to take more time, I could attach every one of these to scriptures, which is actually quite easy to do because there's so much on gratitude in the Bible. Uh, but for time's sake, let me just jump into this and share it with you. Number one, um, gratitude opens the door to more and better relationships. Simply saying thank you more often to people in your life makes it more likely that you will make friends and you will sustain friendships. According to a study done in 2014 published in the journal Emotion, 
Um, if you simply thank people for holding a door for you, if you send thank you notes whenever some, any, any, anytime someone does any act of kindness for you, even if they just introduce you well at an event, if you will send a thank you note um, to someone who, say, uh, helped you with a project, just for any reason, you are substantially more likely to make more friends and engage them in long-term, ongoing relationships. That's not the Bible, but there is plenty of Bible. If you would have friends, you should do what? Show yourself friendly. Uh, this is published in a scientific journal. So uh, let's, let's, let's be thankful and see if our friendships do not flourish from it and our number of friends increase. I don't know about you, but I, I love my friends. I intentionally love my friends. I make an intentional effort not to keep count of who owes who a phone call. I have friends who never call me. I used to pout and suck my thumb. I've decided I'm just God's blessing in their life, and they were lucky to have a friend like me, and I call them anyway, and once they get on the phone with such a fine fellow as myself, they realize and remember how much they love me. I want to be rich in friends. Forget the business about the person dying with the most toys winning. That's stupid. That's for people in their 20s to believe that ignorance. Uh, People, If you die with the most friends, you win, not if you die with the most toys, you win. In. So let's show ourselves friendly. Can I have a big amen? amen? Secondly, gratitude will improve your physical health. Think about that. Grateful people experience fewer aches and pains and report feeling healthier than other people, according to a 2012 study published in Personality and Individual Differences, which is a scientific journal. Grateful people are also more likely to take care of their health. They exercise more often and they are more likely to attend regular checkups at their doctor, which makes them more likely to, uh, these things taken together makes them more likely to live for a longer period of time. Uh, there is even scripture on this. Number three, gratitude improves your mental and psychological health. Gratitude reduces a multitude of toxic emotions from envy and resentment, tons of scripture on this, to frustration and regret. Uh, the, um, the researcher Robert Edmonds, who who is a leading gratitude researcher. He has conducted multiple studies on the link between gratitude and well-being, and his study, uh, there's a lot I could reference here, but taking it as a whole confirms scientifically that gratitude effectively increases happiness and reduces instances of depression. Number four, gratitude reduce, uh, enhances empathy and reduces aggression. Grateful people are more likely to, ha- to behave in a pro-social manner, uh, even toward others who treat them less kindly, according to a 2012 study by the University of Kentucky. Study participants were ranked, who were ranked higher on gratitude scales were less likely to retaliate against others, even when those others gave them negative feedback or treated them in an unkind, in an unkind way. They experienced more simp- sensitivity and more empathy towards other people, and they had a decreased desire to seek revenge. One of the most... Uh, 
grateful or one of the most healthy things you can do for your mental health is to never allow yourself to seek revenge or to observe anybody else's uh, downfall or comeuppance. Um, There is an old saying which is profoundly true. Uh, Revenge is the act of digging two graves, (laughs) one for your enemy and one for yourself. Um, This is not just something you should take at a scriptural level, although there's plenty of scripture on this. This is scientifically uh, established. Uh, Next, I believe this is number five. Grateful people, people who practice active gratitude. Uh, Many of us uh, practice um, uh, passive gratitude. When someone reminds us, we think, oh yes, I should be thankful for that. Uh, When something comes to our heart, oh yes, I should be thankful for that. But people who practice active gratitude, uh, in fact, there are some rather famous people in our society who teach and advise you should keep a gratitude journal. This too has been studied. I just don't have the data on that uh, with me here. Grateful people sleep better. Writing in a gratitude journal improves sleep according to a 2011 study published in Applied Psychology health and well-being, if you spend just 15 minutes writing down a few things you're thankful for before you go to sleep, uh, you will probably sleep better and you will probably sleep longer. Number six, gratitude improves self-esteem. 2014 study published in the Journal of Applied uh, Sports Psychology found that Active gratitude increases athlete self-esteem, which is an optimal part of their performance. Other studies have shown that gratitude reduces your tendency to make social comparisons. Making social comparisons is one of the quickest ways you can make your life miserable. Uh, I am a personal example of that. Uh, If I want to make myself miserable, I compare myself with people because I always do it unfairly. And you do too. Can I have a big amen? But attaining, obtaining optimal performance for athletes, active gratitude helps them have a better self-esteem. On the other hand, becoming resentful toward other people, other athletes, people who have more success, better jobs, more money, is a major factor in reduced self-esteem. Again, I'm a witness. Grateful people are able to appreciate other people's accomplishments. Number six. Seven Again, not quoting scriptures, although there's a ton. I'm quoting uh, proven scientific uh, studies. Gratitude increases mental strength. Mental strength is something that is ever, ever, ever so true about our lives, but sometimes it's hard to measure in a tangible way. I will tell you a few things I've learned about mental strength is you only have so much of it. You should spend it on important things. I'm going to say that again to this side of the church. Uh, You only have so much mental strength. You only have so much self-discipline. You should make sure you're spending it on important things. Don't waste it on dumb things. In fact, anything in your life that you can take out of your life to make uh, your, to save your self-discipline, you should do. Again, studies, I don't have this in my notes, but I've come across this recently. Um, like, for example, if you put a candy bar stack beside, uh, in, somewhere in your kitchen, and then you claim to be on a diet, what you're doing, and this is scientifically proven, is you're using some of your mental discipline every day that would be better spent on someone else to saying no to that candy bar. So you should get all the candy bars out of your house 
and save your mental strength for things that matter. Because you only have so much. The more tired you get, the less mental strength you will have. It won't matter how strong you felt early that morning. When you're tired, you're tired and your strength is used up. However, back on my notes, gratitude increases mental strength. For years, research has shown that gratitude not only reduces stress, but it may also play a major role in overcoming trauma. A 2006 study published in Behavior Research and Therapy found that Vietnam War veterans with higher recorded levels of gratitude experienced lower rates of post-traumatic stress disorder. In a 2003 study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, it was found that gratitude was a major contributor to resilience following the terrorist attacks on September 11th. And the psychologists who tracked that group of people who had gone through that. So I'm done. Musicians, you can come. I want to remind you of a few things. First of all, you have a lot to be thankful for. In spite of the fact that you may be having tough times right now, you and I have a lot to be thankful for. Can I have a big amen? amen. The second thing I'd like to remind you of is even if things aren't going great at your job, even if things are not going great in your relationship, relationships, even if things are not going great in your health, even if you have seven kinds of trouble on seven different blocks of your town, the biggest thing in your life has been taken care of, and that is Christ has overcome death, hell, and the grave. And even if everything else goes wrong, he has promised you that if, that if that same spirit that raised him up from the grave dwell in you, then you have the same promise that has been given to you and invested in you. And so keep this world in right perspective. I want to say that again. Victory is yours through Jesus Christ. So keep all the junk in your life in right perspective. Though a thousand things go wrong, he has overcome the world. And not only that, he has not left you to only have uh, your own ability to comfort and soothe yourself. He said, I will be with you. So much about, um, so much about presence speaks to comfort and soothing. Uh, it's like they say a friend. Sometimes they can help you. Sometimes they can fix you. And sometimes they just have to sit down and be with you. Uh, he said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will be with you. I will come to, to you. I want you to know God is with you. However, frustrating your life is right now. Do not let your sense of what is well in your soul be set by the trouble that is around you. Let your soul be made well by the presence of God. That's why in the middle of trouble you can say it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Does that mean everything's good? Of course not. Don't be silly. But the big things have been put in order and he has won the victory for me. I want you to be aware of that. The last, the last thing I want you to be aware of, unless I think of something else after this. <laughs> the last thing I want you to be aware of, uh, of this is unless you are being active and intentional, you're not thankful enough. Let me just say this to myself. All right. Unless I am being active and intentional with my gratitude, I am not being thankful enough. And I am missing out on the spiritual wealth and riches that are available to the person with a grateful heart. And so I, through a spiritual discipline, all of you know what spiritual disciplines are. When you set aside time to read your Bible, that's a spiritual discipline. You don't always 
want to do it, but you know you need to do it. So if you have any sense of longevity or spiritual maturity, you set aside some time and you read your, your Bible. Uh, prayer is a spiritual discipline in your life. You, you set aside some time, and if, if you're not doing that, I promise you, you need to start right there. That's How can you claim to have a fellowship with somebody you never talked to? It's, it just goes against everything. Um, if, you're, if, you're, if, if, if you have this 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 serving God, but you don't have this prayer time, this this relational component. Um, you're, you're not really you're, what you're saying is I've got God figured out, and I don't need to know Him because I have this formula that I have decided that's all I need. I don't need a relationship with God because I have this formula, and I've got the formula now. God owes me salvation. Do you see the errors in that? That's not, we are called to have a relationship with God. And so it's not about him owing us salvation because we did everything right. No, that's not how it works. He invites you into a relationship with him. And so prayer becomes part of that fellowship, fellowship, fellowship with God. So it is with gratitude. It becomes part of, it is a spiritual discipline in our life. Just like prayer. Just like fasting just like Bible study. And so we're going into Thanksgiving and we do it as a culture and that's all fine and good. But before it is a cultural issue, it must be a Christian issue. It must be a spiritual issue. And so I have desired to show you how Thanksgiving can change your life. Let's all stand. All across the house right now, would you just lift your hands to the Lord and you say, Lord Jesus, I want to repent for the many times I've I've not shown gratitude the way I should. We're going to stand here, and as a church, we're going to repent together uh, for 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 the tendency that is within us for not having gratitude. I, I confess, Lord, I can get busy. I can get entitled. I can get where I feel like I'm owed something or I'm special. I'm, and all of that is wrong, Lord Jesus. I'm not owed anything. But through your great favor, you have showed me tremendous blessing. And I'm so thankful for every good thing that is in my life. I'm thankful for my family, Lord Jesus. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my parents. I've been so blessed, Lord Jesus. I I don't want to live with a sense of entitlement when every good and perfect gift that has been given me has come down from you. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. And I pray an attitude of true thanksgiving in my life would produce a, 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 a stronger desire to walk with you and know you and commune with you and fellowship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. 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 Would you just praise him for all the good things he's done in your life right now? Thanks. Thanks. I give you thanks. Y'all know this old song? For all you I am so blessed. Anyone feel that way? My soul has found rest. Oh, Lord, I give you. Man, you guys sound good singing. One more time. Lift your voice. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE 
We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.